Welcome to Generous Impact. My name is Brett Brummett. And my name is Amanda Brummett. We are joined today by Jason Dyke, the CEO and founder of Carson's Village. In this episode, you'll hear how through his own loss and the support of his village, Jason and the team now serves others in times of unexpected loss. From burial arrangements to support groups to proactive check-ins on families, they truly serve as the village for those in need. Well, Jason, thank you so much for being here with us today. We really appreciate you taking the time to be on Generous Impact. Well, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for the invite. Yeah. So I know um, being a being formerly from Capel and you also being in Capel, lots of our listeners are going to know you and they're going to know your story. But for those of them that don't, I'd love for you to start with telling us about your background, who you are personally and who you are professionally. Yeah. So uh, originally I went to high school in, uh, in Arlington, worked at Six Flags, best job I ever had in my entire life. I worked on the Judge Roy screen, made $3.15 an hour and I couldn't spend it fast enough. Um, went to UTA my freshman year, then transferred down to A&M and became a lifelong Aggie and got my degree in civil engineering, went to Austin for a little while to be a civil engineer. And I quit that to start a restaurant. And I had a restaurant in Austin on the UT campus. Uh, it was kind of like a Chipotle Freebirds. It was called Austin Rap Company. And I had that and I, uh, for a few years and then I opened a second one up in Round Rock next to Dell. And the second one, uh, just uh, things I was good at, I was great at, and things I wasn't as good at, I wasn't. And it ended up closing down after about nine months and took both of them down. Didn't want to be an engineer anymore. So I went back to grad school. I uh, got my MBA at AM and then got a job at uh, AT&T. And I've been at AT&T nearly 21 years. And so that's kind of the, the Jason Dyke in, the, in a nutshell. Yeah. So you, you, you've traveled the triangle of Texas minus San Antonio, then I take it. Well, so <laughs> so my uh, my dad sold new homes uh, growing up. So I went to four elementary schools, one junior high, and two high schools between Dallas and Houston. Ended up graduating high school in Arlington, but uh, we bounced around uh, between Mesquite and around Dallas and then down in Houston and back and forth. So I... You know, I learned to meet people and and reinvent myself and and make friends quickly because it seemed like we'd be there for a year, then we'd move on, and I had to almost like I was an army brat. Yeah. Well, Will this then, be our only show ever where we have two people that went to high school in Arlington and then went to UTA? I mean, kick them Colts, kick them moving Mavs. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Sam Houston. Yes, uh, long tall Texans. There you go. Um, well, and then you and I connected and met a couple of years ago, actually it was when our company was making a donation in honor of one of our employees and your organization came up as one that was near and dear to them. You know, that donated donation spurred an intriguing conversation around the work on grief counseling and advocacy that you do now. But before we get into that, can you actually walk us through the need and why you first created Carson's Village? Because we forgot yeah. that you were creating well, Carson's so Village. I- Working at AT&T and humming right along and um, had three boys, Alex, Ryan, and Carson, and lived in Capel and, and enjoyed it. And then on April 28th of 2017, my life changed forever when uh, I lost Carson. It was a Friday night and he had had a bad day at school, but he was a great kid, straight A's, went to West, um, came home and was in a bad mood. And his mom talked to him and just he was not going to be consoled. My oldest was a softball uh, trainer or was a trainer at the high school for a softball game. And then my middle son was at the house and April and I went to the neighbor's house to see some work they'd done in their backyard, left Carson there, took Ryan with us and uh, we got hungry for dinner. So we came back to the house and I went upstairs to get uh, Carson and I found him um, 
he had hung himself from a safety rail uh, from a bed that I I built I built him a loft for Christmas one year, and he'd taken a pair of pajamas and hung himself from the safety rail. And so I had to pull him down. Ryan had to call nine one one. The paramedics and police came. Uh, they left and took him to the hospital. I had to go get Alex at the uh, softball fields, tell him what happened. We went to the hospital, and they pronounced him dead that night. And I hadn't planned my own funeral, much less my son's funeral. And I didn't know what to do or where to go. And so we left the hospital that night and called April's family and called my family. And then we called our bus family. And I called our bus family because I've got a group of friends uh, that went to Texas A&M with. And we own a Texas A&M shuttle bus together. We bought it about 18 years ago. It's a 37-foot-long, 46-passenger bus. And we redesigned the inside of it. And we use it for tailgating at A&M games. So we have uh, we have a little bar inside. We have a TV in there. We've got tables and chairs. And uh, we use it, like I said, for tailgating A&M games. And we've known these folks for all for 30 years. And our kids have all grown up together. And when we told them about Carson, they came in town and just took care of us. And we were very fortunate to have um, the our bus family come in town, the community. Uh, you know, I, I was I'm tied to the community. I did a lot of volunteer work in Capel great work relationships. And we just had a lot of support. And um, it just, I, I realized how fortunate we were to have all that and and have people that came in town and supported us and helped us walk through the whole process. Wow. So you truly had a village. I, we had a village. We had a village yeah. that helped us, helped us through there. Wow. Well, what a devastating thing to experience, um, whether you have a village or not. But um, it sounds like from your experience, you were able to see that not everybody has that, that, that village to take care of them. Um, and that you guys use that to create an amazing organization where you jump in and help families that experience sudden loss of a loved one and it's all free. So can you walk us through what all Carson's village does? Yeah. Well, so when we were going through that process for my family, you know, we didn't know where to go or what to do. And a friend is the one that found Rolling Oaks for us. And so we went out and met with Rolling Oaks staff and they were very nice. But, you know, as with any funeral home, there are things that they can sell you. And at one point, you know, they asked if I wanted to buy the, a bunch of flowers going on top of the casket. And I literally thought, I need to buy these flowers because I don't want someone to think I didn't love my son. And But I had a friend there, and the friend said, well, instead of putting the flags on the casket, we'll put an AM flag on the casket instead. And that meant more to me than a bunch of dumb flowers ever would have. And it just made me realize that the need and the services that my friends were given to me that I wanted to, to pay for. And so after the funeral, I did what everybody does. I went to the Google to see if there was an organization that helped families with all the things that I had help with, and I couldn't find one. And so I decided I'd, I'd owned some businesses in the past. I, you know, I knew how to run a business. And I thought, you know what? I can start something and pay for the generosity that was given to me and my family. And so Carson passed on April 28th of 2017. By June 27th, I had my 501c3, so less than two months. Um, I pitched the idea to the hospital that they took Carson to that night, and they loved it. I spent the rest of the year getting everything set up. And through a connection to the Capel Police Department, we had our first family referred to us in January of 2018. And um, so what we did originally, we were just helping families from passing to the funeral. And we, you know, I, I it was kind of now looking back a little silly, but, you know, I imagined sitting in the living room and holding their hands. And we had like sign up sheets and we had little stickers for lasagna. So, you know, what, what people brought. But 
after we started getting seven, eight, nine, ten calls from Dallas, Fort Worth, all around, and in some parts of town that were not uh, not safe, I realized that I can't send advocates in all over the U.S. trying to help people that it needed to be more virtual. So we adjusted the business model and we started helping people virtually. And originally it was passing to the funeral. And then we realized it was just kind of weird to say, all right, goodbye, see you later. Um, because that's when the work really needs to start to help them reach their new normal. So we started our continuing support. And so our continuing support, every family that uh, finishes our direct support gets uh, gets a follow-up service. And so kind of to start from the beginning of their, their journey, when they're referred to us, we help them first find a funeral home that meets their emotional and financial needs. We help them find resources uh, to help pay for it if we can in certain situ- situations. Now, now, we're not funded to pay for funerals, and there's not a lot of money out there. But in certain situations, there there is some. So we'll help them with that. And then once we figure out where they're going and how they're paying for it, then we can start talking to them about, are there kids in the house? Who else needs help? What's going on? And we can really kind of dig in. And then after the funeral and everything is said and done, um, we will go in and we will help them um, by following up with them to make sure they're getting the resources they need. So every family gets a call at 30 days. And that's one of those things where that's the family leaves, you're sitting by yourself, you're having to figure out what your new normal looks like. And that's when it gets really tough. And so we give everybody a call. And if they're doing okay, then we'll call them back quarterly. If they're not, um, we'll follow up with them to get the resources they need. And in most times, it's about 81% of the time, they're getting better. It, you know, It's tough. They're having a hard time, but they don't really need that much. Uh, but about 19% of the time they do, they really need resources. They need other things. Um, and uh, sometimes we have situations where they have thoughts of self-harm. So we've got to jump into action on that. And then we follow up with them. And originally our continuing support was a year But we found that I thought everybody would be getting better over the year. And the data that we had showed they weren't. And I couldn't figure out why. And then I realized that was the first year of everything. That was the first birthday, the first holiday, the first back to school, the first, all the first. And so we extended our service from one year to two years and might have to do three years. I don't know once we start seeing the data, because I want to see the trend come back up where they're getting better. They're having to figure, figuring out the new normal, the new life that they're going to lead. And we want to make sure we walk hand in hand with them through that whole process. So, and and that's very high level. We have a group support that we offer free of charge twice a month. We have a peer to peer program. We have vetted counselors. We have all kinds of things. But but that's the gist of of the services that we provide. It's pretty awesome. I mean, so your advocates. I mean, they're working alongside these families for quite a while. Is it a like one advocate to an entire family, an advocate per family member. And then I know you said you're getting to that two-year mark. I mean, are there instances where that doesn't take that long or? Well, so what we do is we have one advocate per family and that advocate will go in and identify where there's need within that family. And so we've uh, developed a really comprehensive tool with Salesforce where my advocates all have Microsoft uh, surfaces and they can text, make phone calls and email all through Salesforce. So they stay in constant contact with the family. The family can reach out back out to them. Once they work with them and identify the resources they need, they'll find those resources. And then once they go into the continuing support, uh, we have someone on our team that that calls them. Now, all my advocates are have their master's in social work. Uh, the initial callbacks, the person does not have their master's in social work, but it's just a little quiz. Hey, how are you doing? How are you feeling? 
if it is something where we need to spring into action, we need uh, somebody that uh, can help. We refer them back to our advocates and our advocates will take over and find all the resources that they need. And usually it's a one advocate to a family situation where they'll they'll help them um, go through that process. And once they get to know them through the direct support, it's it's really a little bit of a bond that builds because they know them, they're used to them, they trust them, and it's easier to talk to them and really get down to to what, what it is that they need to support themselves. That's incredible. Do you find, not so much on the advocate side, because getting a master's takes a while, but um, for your regular volunteers, do your recipients ever become volunteers in the organization? Uh, yes, they have. So we have a uh, peer-to-peer program. And so we've had people now, it, it takes a little while because we do ask that our peers are two years out of their loss, but where people can come back and they can volunteer to be a peer. Uh, we've had families plan our golf tournament and support us. Um, you know, one one of the most meaningful things, it was a, a woman that, was, that had come over from Africa and uh, she was a refugee and she was pregnant and she had her baby and she lost her baby. And uh, at the funeral, uh, she didn't know anybody over here. So there were only, I think there were five or six nurses that were at the funeral. And that's all that that went with her. And they they helped support her. And we had my advocate helped them, helped her through that process. But a year later, we had, uh, I think it was North Texas Giving Day, where we were asking for donations. And she donated $100. And that woman uh-huh. had no, I mean, $100 was so much money to her. And she gave $100. And that Things like that really mean a lot. When families donate back, they play in the golf tournament, they volunteer with us, they, you know, spread the word on Facebook. Um, many families have done a fundraising pages for us on North Texas Giving Day, where they'll spread the word to other people. Um, you know, I was I was recently down in uh, Houston for an event uh, because we support the Houston Independent School District, and um, uh, two women, two of the wraparound specialists, came up and gave me hugs just to say thank you for all that we had done. So, you know, it's, it's, it's neat. You can see the impact that we have on families and it, that, that really is the the reward and the, what we like to see because that impact is helping those families get through a really, really dark time. Yeah. So your human connection is huge. sounds like you're doing amazing things there. I also was wildly impressed with your resource library on your website. Just as I was looking through it, preparing for the show, I learned so much um, that people need to know, whether it's a sudden loss or an expected loss. So I'm curious, which resources do you find people most appreciate and use in there? Well, you know, it's it's all of them. I mean, it's it's really, and I, I say that jokingly, but every family situation is different. Every family has different needs. Some of them have some support where they just need some guidance. Some have no support. You know, we, we had one person that was... He was 22 living with his mom. His mom passed from cancer and he didn't want a male advocate. He wanted a female advocate because he was so used to his mom. And we kind of walked his hand and provided all the services. And the services that he needed were really different than a single mom now who lost a husband that was trying to figure out how to raise two girls on her own and the services that she needs. And so it's all, it just varies across the board. Um, and what happens when, so we have all our, our resources on the website, but then whenever we put the information to Salesforce, Salesforce will run a query against our internal database and bring back a list of resources that apply to them. So there's about seven um, 
categories. Are they a vet? What is their gender or what race are they? What zip code do they live in? And we've got thousands of articles in Salesforce that it'll go and find what applies to the family. And then our advocates will give them that resource. But if you if you look at across the board, what probably means the most to everybody, it's that our services are free. Because you know they're they're lost. They probably just got a hospital bill. They're getting bills for whatever. They're going to a funeral home. They're spending thousands of dollars on a funeral home. And then when we come in and say, "Hey, we're going to help you," and it's completely free, and we're not asking anything of you, you you can almost hear the stress just come off them and just the sigh and going, "Oh my gosh, thank you. I have somebody I can trust. I can somebody I can ask questions to. Someone that's not going to try to take advantage of me or sell me something." And and to provide that, I mean, I think that resource in of itself is the one that applies across the board to everybody that everybody can benefit from. Yeah, it's almost too good to be true. <laughs> it, it 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 means a lot to folks, and and you you hear it, and we hear stories and testimonials, and it just it, it does mean a lot. You know, I hate that we actually have to talk about like the impact of your organization because, you know, a huge impact also means that there's been a huge loss and people have experienced that. But you talked about the expansion and how have you grown so fast going from 46 families back in September 2018 to now we're 5,100? Well, I actually, before this, I looked, so we're at 5,160 um, as of this morning. Wow. And those referrals, I, I want to say the last time I looked came from nearly 300 different referral sources. So we get referrals from all across the country. Um, right now, we do have uh, a partners that we partner with that fund the services that we provide. We have um, uh, several uh, several partners that we support, not only providing services to their um their patients but also to staff and to people that that work there and so it's really the 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 expansion that we were really looking towards is those partnerships because those are what's funding all the work that we do because you know i don't ever want to charge a family for anything we do but at the same time you know nonprofit is not something that doesn't require money it's like an organization any organization you run a nonprofit has payroll, has internal expenses, has a structure. You know, we have Salesforce. Salesforce is not free to us, but that's the backbone of what we do. So we're always looking for opportunities for the to make the partners and to, to uh, expand our services. But at the same time, we do have, like I said, 5,100, 5,160 families that have, that have called us asking for help from all across the country. We've had the military were listed on the uh, Red Cross's national website. We did a lot of work with New York City during the pandemic. Um, we've got great relationships with uh, with many hospital chains across the U.S. Um, it just it really varies uh, upon uh, it varies greatly in terms of the types of partnerships we have. But we're always looking to make new partners. And you'd mentioned that you've expanded into the bereavement programs for the schools and hospitals and as part of that expansion. Can you tell us specifically about those programs? Well, so what we do is, you know, and specifically when it comes to hospitals, you know, once the once a, a patient passes, the family leaves, and then they're kind of on their own to figure it out. So what we've done is partnered with hospitals to be an extension of their bereavement program to make sure that 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 uh connection is still there so that there's a relationship between the family and the hospital going forward. Because as you know, with any organization, you know, you want, you've got customers and you want to stay in contact with those customers and hospitals are no different. 
And so they're looking to make sure they provide as, as much uh, support as they can to families in those situations as they can. And that's where we've uh, brought some value to the table to to provide services to those um, uh, those organizations. That's incredible. So, Jason, one thing I was wondering about, you're a civil engineer, you have an MBA, you have a 20-plus career with AT&T, um, which I assume is not your typical nonprofit leader profile. No. no. Um, how does that change the lens through which you approach nonprofit management? Well, you know, it's... I've owned businesses before and I've been in corporate America before. So all that came natural to me. The The nonprofit side was a little different. And, and that is, while it is 80% a company, uh, like a for-profit company, you do have a board of directors that you have to, to work with. You, you, it, you've got funding where you have to go apply to grants. I mean, it's a different funding model. So there are, there are different things that a nonprofit has to deal with that a for-profit doesn't. Uh, especially for us, we're not selling our services. So, well, we are in a little bit, but not to our direct um, clients. So that has been a little different. Um, I, but I've, I've got a great board. Uh, currently, my board chair is uh, Jennifer Barkowski. She's the CEO of Girl Scouts of Northeast Texas. And she's got her entire career has been in nonprofit. And so she's been a great guide. Um, I've had mentors that mentored me through this whole process. And then at the same time, I've started giving back and mentoring smaller uh, nonprofits, just like I was mentored to kind of pay it forward a little bit. So you you tend to learn as you go and, you know, the mistakes you make end up, you know, kind of cost you a little bit, but that's part of growing and learning and building a business. And you've got to, I learned too, you, like any business, you can't be rigid in what you think your business model is. You've got to get in there and try the first version and going to be 1.5 and 2 and 2.5 and 3 before you figure out what it is and you've got to be open to that and I think that my experiences in the past have allowed me to be open to ebbing and flowing while staying true to our original mission how we deliver that mission and how we deliver our services has changed a little bit you know we're not sitting in the living room like I originally envisioned but we're having a much bigger impact than I ever would have if I said I had to stay you know stay in the living room and so it's just it's it my experience is a really all culminated into this opportunity. And, you know, I hope that, you know, we go beyond five or uh, 10,000 to 20,000 to 50,000 to 100,000. You know, I hope we continue to do good in the world. Unfortunately, the service is needed. Um, and we're just, we're happy to be there for families when, when they need us. You know, in paying it forward and doing all that and mentoring, you also do still just simply volunteer with other organizations like the Capel Education Foundation. So what makes you keeps you going to keep doing that and what drives that passion for helping the community in so many different ways? Well, I, you know, I, I like to be involved. I, I like to, to be there, you know, even, even for Carson's village, I still haven't gotten a paycheck out of Carson's village. I've gotten probably a, a dozen free lunches out of it, maybe for all that I put back into it, you know, may, maybe one day that'll change, but, but yeah, so I'm still volunteering for Carson's village. I volunteer for the Capel education foundation board, which I thoroughly enjoy because it's part of the Capel community. Um, you know, I've done volunteer days through AT&T before, and it, it's fun to give back to the community and, and be a part of that. So it's it's something I've always done. When I was in college, I was in a organization called Alpha Phi Omega. It's a co-ed service organization that's an offshoot of the Boy Scouts. It's not it's got Greek letters, but it's not really Greek. And all the people that we own the bus with um, were in Alpha Phi Omega. And so you, we did service projects. So all through college. 
I just did service projects. We would do adopt a beach and adopt a highway and re-roofing elderly homes and, you know, meals on wheels and all those things. And I enjoyed it back then. And I, I continue to enjoy it. I like giving of my time. We're glad that you do. Also, if I ever make it to Kyle Field, I want to see this bus, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> You're more than welcome. Actually, as it turns out right now, it's in the shop. So we're hoping to have it ready for this weekend. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> we had a little little hitch in our giddy up. So we're trying to get that fixed right now. Good that's, to it's know. Good. It, it's a 1982 Thomas. So she's got a few years and a few miles on her. Very cool. Well, as we start to wrap up, um, Jason, what is next for Carson's Village? Well, honestly, continue to expand our partnerships. You know, we're, we're looking to, to continue to roll those out in Texas and throughout the country. Um, you know, we're always looking to get better and improve the, the resources that we can provide to our families. We're continuing adding things to our website, adding things into Salesforce, doing it better. Um, I just recently had a, a local nonprofit that we that I actually mentored early on with emailed me asking me for resources. So, you know, we're growing and we're, we're, we're a part of the community. And so I want to continue to grow uh, the organization. I want to continue to help folks. And we've got some ideas on how we can uh, expand our services that we're working on right now. Uh, but all that, you know, takes money as we go through. So we're always looking to continue with our, our golf tournament, would be a part of North Texas Giving Day. Um, there's a donation button on our website. So anybody listening, feel free to, to donate to help us, you know, with our services, because everything we do is free to the families, like I had mentioned, and I I, I don't ever want to change that. Um, that's quarter who we are in our mission. And I think that's that's a really important part of, of what we do. But but to and then you expand our um, our partnerships is what I'd like to focus in in 2024, and that's part of our uh, one of our uh, major milestones. Nice. Now you're connected in the community. You're inspiring us and others. Where are you gaining your inspiration from today? I just think. So I went to uh, West in Capel, and I, they had they were celebrating the Day of the Dead, and I didn't I didn't know they were doing that, and they had a picture of Carson, and you know. I'd never written to Carson or done a note or anything. And uh, I left a note as picture. And I just said a few things, but one of them was, I think you'd be really proud of what we're doing. And, and so I think you would be, you know, so that's what inspires me every day to make him proud of what we're doing, make him realize we're doing it in his name and all the good that we're doing and helping people that, I think he would. I think he would be impressed by that and, and like what we're doing. And so that that's what motivates me to to keep pushing forward. Well, I made it to this point before I got wet eyes. So if you can listen, there's wet eyes over here. Um, so what is it that our community can continue to do for Carson's Village, for the mission, for the advocates? What role can we play? Uh, help us spread the word. The more people that know about us, the, the more work we can do. You know, unfortunately, this organization really, I mean, people don't want to know about us until they have to know about us and they want to forget about us, you know, and that's just kind of the way it works. You, you go to a bookstore and you can get books on having babies and weddings and all these happy things in life. And there are not many books about sad things in life and death. And so people don't want to talk about it. And so while we try to have a, a more upbeat message, the more people that know about us so that we can be top of mind when something does happen, the more people that we can help and the more people that we can touch. 
And so just really helping us get the word out, uh, supporting us, you know, on social media, uh, telling our story, connecting us. If anybody listening is at a connection somewhere that they think would be worthwhile, they're more than welcome to, to contact me. You can email me at jason at carsonsvillage.org. And I'm happy to to meet with anybody or to, to establish a connection that might be beneficial. Well, that's amazing. I hope we get a lot of connections for you. Uh, I hope that, you know, hope there's more natural grief counseling that has to be done than unexpected. And thank you so much for your time and what you're doing for all of us. Thank you. Thank you all for having me. I really appreciate it. Wow. I'm truly in awe of people like Jason that can take a tragedy and use it as a catalyst for good in this world. To have served 5,160 people through Carson's Village is incredible. And add to it that it's free. What a beautiful service to offer families, schools, and hospitals. Well, while I sincerely hope that our listeners never need their services, I do strongly encourage you to check out their resource library, learn more about their organization, and help spread their message. You can find them at carsonsvillage.org.